It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. It's episode one of a new season with two weeks to go until the 2022-23 campaign begins. A very warm welcome back to regular listeners and an equally warm welcome if this is your first time tuning in. Today we're reviewing Manchester United's activity in the transfer market over the summer. The Reds under the new manager, Eric Ten Hag, have completed or pretty much completed three signings. There is... Dutch left-back Tyrell Malassia, who was joined from Feyenoord for around 15 million euros and made his debut on the club's pre-season tour. Neither Christian Eriksen, the Danish attacking midfielder, signed on a free transfer after a short stint at Brentford last season, nor Lissandra Martinez, an Argentine centre-back bought from Ajax for an initial 48.5 million, have yet been pictures in a United shirt, but both will join training this week ahead of the season start on the 4th of August. We'll talk about all three of those signings and any that are yet to happen, plus Plus, the Messi-Cristiano Ronaldo situation. We'll also talk about what's been going on in the United Academy over the summer and we'll tell you about an exciting change in format to the podcast for the season to come. That update will be in the middle of the show. Jack, let's start with the signing who's actually played for the club already, Tyrell Malassia. What are your thoughts? The kind of signing, honestly, that I think we haven't been making enough of in the last few years. You know, very much a developmental signing, very low risk, with only a 15 million Euro fee. He comes in, I think, in a position where we have, you know, a good starting left back in Luke Shaw, but one who is relatively injury prone. And the replacement for him in Alex Tellez was really not up to par last season. Yeah. So I think it, it's a signing that, you know, is in the right position. It's a player that Ten Hag has obviously had on his radar, supposedly watched a lot when he was at Ajax. And I think he's come in and he's done well. He seems to have improved every game. I think his first start against Liverpool was a little bit shaky. But since then, I think he's come in and he's improved every game. You know, we'll get into the exact kind of player he is in a second. But I think just the process and the type of player he is, it's a very low-risk signing in a position that we need. So I think it's, you know, the process behind it is, is pretty much spot on. Yeah. 
And in terms of personality, a bubbly character who seems to fit into the squad really easily. And yeah, before we get into the specifics of what kind of player he is, it's just great to see someone, to have have a player like that who's just always carries a smile on their face and, and seems like just properly excited to be at United. And, and yeah, as you say, it's, it's the kind of signing that we've... Uh, often called out for. It's the kind of signing that we thought Solskjaer was trying to kind of make a, a little bit more often. Um, and Dan James, there was a lot of praise for the Dan James signing when when that turned out to be a, a good one for starters. And then you had to rely on him too much. And yeah, Molassi's obviously been signed as for now as a backup left back to Luke Shaw, a rotation option who over the next season or two can be improved, can develop enough to become United starting left back and yeah he's a really interesting player and as you say low risk for for the price and so far I think what we've seen from him in terms of his proper attributes is he's a serious athlete who can cover a lot of ground has great pace has good strength despite not being particularly tall or particularly bulky has those attacking contributions that make him in many senses with the the pace and the tenacity that remind and the bubbly character that might remind people of Patrice Evra yeah you mentioned you mentioned Dan James in there Harry, and you know, I know that Dan James in the end got quite a lot of stick for not being as good as we might have wanted him to be. But you actually look at the process of A, signing him and then selling him. You know, again, came in as a low-risk signing, did the job when we needed him to, and then we sold him, what, two years later for a £10 million profit. You know, that, those are the, the, the transfer processes yeah. that we haven't been doing enough of because we, we sign players that don't really fit into a specific role in the team for huge amounts of money. And then when we, you know, we've de- deprecated their value because we haven't found a good way to fit them into our team and we end up having to sell them for a huge loss. You know, if Dan James is an example of maybe what can go wrong on the pitch with these kind of signings, it's actually an example of why they're very good signings to do from a process standpoint. Yeah. Because even if it goes wrong, you're not, even, even if you just make the money back and break even, there's no risk to it. So again, it's just a, it's another example of hopefully this new shift with obviously Tenhard coming in, also with John Mercer, Richard Arnold involved in actually kind of pu- pushing the, the transfer strategy forward, hopefully a sign of some slightly different approaches in the transfer market. So to go back to, to Malaysia, you know, I think everything we've seen has been consistent with that kind of scouting profile that you mentioned that I think we all got when we signed him. Athleticism seems to be absolutely, I think, his, his strongest suit. And you can tell that he fits in really nicely with what Ten Hag wants from his fullbacks to be nice and high up the pitch, to provide another outlet in attack. But also, I think one thing that's been really striking, and we'll probably come on to this in another episode in more detail, just the way that Ten Hag wants his fullbacks to come inside very often as well, provide another option in midfield when we have the ball at the back. You know, Malassi is very, very comfortable with the ball at his feet. And in all situations, whether he's going forward on the left-hand side or if he's got the ball in midfield, he's very, very comfortable popping the ball and being progressive with the ball, which is something that I think we've been crying out for, especially with, with when we had uh, Alex Tellers in the team. You know, the, the ball progression down the left-hand side just wasn't where we wanted it to be. So he'll obviously need some time to, to develop. Yeah. But, you know, I think there are, there's a lot to be excited about, albeit obviously with still a lot to improve. Yeah. Definitely. Some, what, what he's got is the, the raw talent and what he's not got reading from, from Dutch football experts and regular watchers of, of the Dutch league is sometimes could be rushing challenges and, and he likes to go to ground to win the ball back. Um, not in the, he hasn't got that Wambasaka ridiculous tackle ability, but he likes to go to the ground to win the ball and his positioning isn't, uh, completely reliable. 
and in Ten Hag's system, that's going to be, I mean, in everyone's system, it's very important, but in a system like Ten Hag's, it's going to be uh, particularly important. And that's what will be being worked on, on the training ground. Um, and yeah, so there's, there's development there to do. And there's also, he, he looks like a brilliant athlete. And there's, have you seen that video of him for kind of basically leapfrogging? Uh, I can't remember who is, I can't remember if it's a, a United player or a coaching staff uh, member. No, I haven't seen this. He basically, just, yeah, he just kind of leapfrogs over them at a ridiculous height and then starts laughing uh, he, as he's coming out to training on, on the preseason tour. It's great. Um, so yeah, there's obviously that athleticism there, but you can always improve physical fitness and strength and, and the more you do that in the Premier League, the, the better it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a player that under a coach of the quality of Ten Hag and the attention to detail could become really good. We'll see, see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, in terms of what you need to improve on, the big one I think is just really learning how to play in structure. It seems very, very, very good at playing when the game is slightly broken down. He's very good in transition, mainly on account of the athleticism that he has. He's very good at recovering into the spaces that he may have vacated when he's being a bit more adventurous going forward. But I think what Malassia probably will need to improve on is you know, this preseason we haven't had too many occasions when we played against teams that have had the ball for long periods of time. It happened against Liverpool, but he wasn't playing in that first half against Liverpool. So he hasn't really been on the pitch when we've had to defend for long periods of time with a team with controlled, structured possession. And that, I think, is where he'll probably have the most to improve because it seems at the moment like his biggest weakness is really his positioning and his awareness in defensive situations. And obviously that comes to the fore the, for the most when you are in those sort of structured defensive phases of the game. So I think that will be the big test. And obviously we'll see more of that as we get into the Premier League season and play some better opposition. But again, it, it's the kind of sign that we haven't made enough of. It's very low risk. I, yeah, I was going to say in the most in the most basic, simplistic way, isn't it just nice to be signing a player who you might have heard the name of, you might have seen play uh, for Feyenoord in European games, but really, if we're all being honest, none of us expected, none of us knew, none of us thought this was going to be a target for United. It's nice to sign someone kind of just out of the blue and, and smoothly and quickly yeah. and someone who's desperate to play for the club as well. It's just, it's one of those exciting signings. It, it just has that basic level of excitement about it. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's just, the kind of thing that good clubs do you know and it's not something that United have done at all really in the past five or six years Dan James really being the one exception and like I said Dan James on the pitch didn't really improve very much and we sold him two years later for £10 million profit so if that's how Malassi ends up then fine but you know best case scenario we now obviously have a much better in terms of on the pitch, it looks like we have a much better coach than we had than Solskjaer. So you would hope that that can help get the best out of Malaysia. Yeah. And even more so than that, in a position where we often do need cover because Luke Shaw is so injury prone and Tellez really doesn't cut the mustard as the backup. Yeah. What's interesting is, and, and this is more conversation for the future and probably for kind of 12, 18 months into Ten Hag's time at United, but... There's, there was obviously a lot of talk going into this transfer window about how United's recruitment would be different under a new structure with John Murtis as football director. What's interesting about the Molassi signing and the Martinez signing and pretty much the Ericsson signing as well is these are so clearly Eric Ten Hag signings. So while it's really exciting that we signed Tyrone Molassi and it's a player we didn't know, it's not yet a sign of, of a recruitment department that has kind of identified a gem in 
in European football and got him for cheap. This is a player that Ten Hag saw play for Feyenoord and, and impressed with Feyenoord against Ajax and particularly against Anthony, who was another target of United, but looks unlikely to join now. So that's just a, an interesting point. And let's talk about Martinez, who will be almost certainly playing at left centre-back. Uh, so if Malassia is playing, well, when Malassia is playing, he will be covered by Martinez at left centre-back. 24-year-old Argentine centre-back from Ajax uh, coming straight over with Ten Hag and his nickname's The Butcher of Amsterdam. And again, on an incredibly simplistic level, a aggressive, passionate Argentinian defender. It's a, it's a big yes from me. You having some uh, some Marcos Rojo throwback moments here, Harry? Getting <laughs> a bit nostalgic about his like five good I'm not, not quite thinking of Marcus Rojo, but more more the general point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think if we can avoid avoid comparisons to Rojo, that's probably good. <laughs> well, I, I saw an amazing stat a few days ago because I saw someone making this comparison on Twitter that Rojo somehow never got sent off to United. Which is, I know, yeah. which is honestly kind of astonishing when you think of all the... He probably had at least 15 red card F challenges and managed to get away with all of them. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, on on, uh, on Martinez, I mean, again, a very much a, a Ten Hag signing. And what, what I like about the Martinez signing is that I think so often United have bought good players... You know, and I'm, I, I, when when I criticise United's transfer business in the past, I actually don't think it's that our scouting has necessarily been bad, and that we're identifying bad players. I think we're identifying good players, but we're not identifying the role that they will be filling in the United team. And this Martinez signing, for me, is the clearest indication from the business that we've done so far this summer that we are starting to learn from those mistakes because Martinez so clearly feels not just he's a good centre-back but feels that left centre-back role so perfectly and offers us both in attack and in defence yeah. completely different profile to what we have I'll dig into some of the stats in a second but just as a general point again we're focusing on process which I think is at this point at the start of a new era for the club I think the process that we have and the processes that we start to lay the foundations on is the most important thing at the moment and I think from a process standpoint this couldn't have been a better signing really as someone that Ten Hag knows obviously has pushed the club to make the sign and get there ahead of Arsenal as well and to fill a very very specific role in this team that hopefully will complement the other centre-backs that are already at the club I mean I, I don't think you could ask much more Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, what we're getting, well, I think Eric Tenard summed it up well when he was asked by by club media, said he's a warrior. I think the fans will admire him. He has attitude, fighting spirit, and he brings aggressiveness to the game in a good way. And then interesting point, the second part where he says, I think that we need that, but also he's also skillful. He can deal with the ball and he's left footed. I thought it was interesting that he brought up the fact he was left footed, kind of unasked really. Um Certainly not specifically asked about that, but when asked why have we signed him, that was one of the things he, he came up with. So yeah, that, that fits into your point exactly about how this is a, a signing for the system. And also it's great to have a, a signing who's coming in to improve the team. And that's something else Ten Hag said. This is not a, a signing for the squad. This is a signing for the for the starting eleven. But also still young enough that he will improve a lot yeah. as well. I think he's only 24. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and your point about him working together before, that obviously helps being able to tell whether he's going to fit the system, but also gives kind of, I mean, it, it brings you so many things where, and we know the players in the first few weeks of Ten Hag's management, whether that's at, at Bayern 2 or Utrecht or Goed Eagles or Ajax, players can be uh, bored and frustrated and tired. Um, because it's a high intensity start to life under a new manager. He, he's, he tries to 
impose this playing style and, and will work hard until until the players get it. And Ten Hag has a trend of bringing players from former clubs like Sebastian Haller, who he first worked with at Utrecht and then went to Ajax. There, there are plenty of others. And having those kind of assistants uh, within the playing squad who can help get that playing style across is is really important. But yeah, Martinez brings uh, brings balance to that defence, as you say, he brings aggression. And I think it's interesting that with Malassia, you've added a bit of pace. With Martinez, you've added a bit more pace than compared to Mart- uh, compared to Maguire and Lindelof, but he's not a, an outstandingly quick centre-back, but there's that aggression as well. And so Tenag is not just adding good players, but he's clearly identified a couple of missing attributes in this United team as well that he wants to to bring in. Again, yeah, it's just all part of the sort of shift I think that we've seen towards buying players very much for the system and for Ten Hag. I was reading a really good article from uh, Melissa Reddy of Sky Sports earlier just about kind of how Ten Hag has, has started his life at United and it was, you know, she was at pains to say in this article that everything you're hearing from the club is that Ten Hag has very much sort of taken over, which is exactly what we said that we wanted. I remember going back to, I don't know, don't know if it was the episode right after Ten Hag was hired or in our season review, but we talked a lot about how, you know, if you're, if you're bringing in a new manager, especially one like Ten Hag, who has very clear ideas about what he wants his, his football team to look like, you have to fully buy in. It doesn't just mean you let him run trading sessions and then have a say on nothing else. You know, it means you fully buy into everything that he wants to do around the club. And everything that we've heard so far suggests that that is sort of happening. He is putting a stamp on everything, whether it's the added discipline that he's put with with food that the players are eating. There was a lot of stories about them not being allowed to like go out so much when they were on their pre-season tours under previous managers. You know, it does seem like Ken Hart is very much having his stamp being put on sort of all aspects of the football club, including obviously the signings that we're making, which is great. On, on Martinez, I was just digging into the stats after we signed him. And it was, you know, I very much knew that Martinez was this sort of more aggressive, more proactive defender, and then very good at being progressive on the ball. But actually, when you dig into the stats, it's, it's even more pronounced than I expected, the differences between him and, and United's other three centre-backs. So compared to Maguire, Varane and Lindelof, last season, Martinez was making about one and a half tackles per 90 minutes, but no other United defender had more than one. I think Maguire had around 0.9 and, and uh, Lindelof and Varane were down around 0.5. So he's miles ahead of them in that. He also has double the number of interceptions per 90 than either of those three. And the stat that really jumped out at me, because this difference is just huge. So last season, Maguire, Lindelof and Varane all averaged between 49 and 52 passes per 90 minutes. Martinez was up at 82. That is a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. A huge, huge difference. In fairness, that you can't use it completely in isolation because that also is a demonstration of just a difference in style. Yeah. But but notably, he was completely at the centre. Forget even even with that caveat about the style, he was completely at the centre of how I explained last year because he made more passes per ninety minutes, averaging around eighty two, as you say, than anyone else in the in the Dutch league. So it's not just that I explained a different style; it's that Martinez was was the 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 player with the most passes per game within that style. So clearly a, a, a key part of it. Yeah, 100%. You know, that. I think when I looked at these stats, it, it got me excited for both for Martinez because obviously those stats are indicative of a very good player. But actually, even maybe more excited for Ten Hart because like you said, those stats, they don't just show anything about Martinez. They also show a lot about the kind of team that he was playing in. And you know, obviously that is the kind of style that Ten Hart is trying to implement at, at United as well. 
So I think it's exciting on both counts. That I think yeah. you probably expect all of the centre back numbers to to improve, probably go up significantly in this new system. But I mean, just the amount that Martinez is involved in the build up is, is you know really really stark compared to to what United had. I think the defensive stats yeah. are probably more easily sort of transferable onto Martinez just because. You know, Ajax, that Ajax team was a lot more dominant in possession than United were, saw a lot more of the ball, and yet he's yeah. still making more tackles and more interceptions at 90. You know, he's just a more proactive defender. You know, all of, especially Maguire and Lindelof, Varane is a little bit more proactive, but Maguire and Lindelof in particular, making tackles and interceptions isn't so much their game. They're much more sort of positionally, positionally focused defenders, I think, that try and really mark people out yeah. of the game. Partially because physically they aren't quite as good. Varane is a little bit more proactive, but still not on Martinez's level. Whereas Martinez it, is, is very. I, I can't think of a. I was just going to say I can't think of a front foot defender we've had for for a like central Honestly, defender that is you know for quite a while. Because most proactive defender is Phil Jones. <laughs> maybe yeah, because I'm just thinking. So Eric Eric Bailly will get. <laughs> Has that kind of uh, aggressive style sometimes, but he's not one. He's he's much his best moments in the United shirt, and this is being kind are like yeah. great blocks or, or or great diving tackles. They're not him stepping out of the fence and and proactively closing something down before it's really got dangerous. And that's kind of what we're expecting from Martinez. He's a very good tackler, but like like you said, it often happens sort of in behind like when someone's running at him as the last defender, yeah. not proactively stepping. Yeah, up. so it will be. It will just be exciting to have that different style of defence and what will be interesting is how that then combines with his partner which is going to be one of Maguire, Lindelof and Varane uh, Lindelof in pre-season has been starting in that left centre-back role where Martinez is going to play Maguire has been starting in the right centre-back role which makes it pretty clear that Maguire will be at least for now will, will be the starting right centre-back it could be Varane as well, but his fitness is, has not been great since he joined. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how those two styles, Maguire, who, who isn't that proactive defender, but is very good on the ball, combines with Martinez, who is that proactive defender, is also good on the ball, but is going to have fewer of those kind of raking crossfield passes that Maguire provides. And is less of a, Maguire will be the one carrying the ball at, at his feet much more often Martinez will be the kind of crisp short passer who's, who's really good at that but won't be carrying the ball out of the fence quite as much as Maguire and what's interesting is that hopefully Maguire's better there himself but also United for how many years now who knows um, have been completely dominant on the left hand side and and unbalanced uh, and hopefully Maguire who's the best on the ball in defence moving over to that right side might balance things out a little yeah, I mean, bit I as well. I think we've been able to see in pre-season already and there was very much a shift even before the links with Martinez sort of came about that Maguire was going to be playing right into that which isn't I don't think something that was really on anyone's radar to be honest it sort of came out of nowhere and, and as soon as he started playing it obviously hopefully his confidence is up and his form is a little bit better than it was last year but he just seemed so much more comfortable on the right especially in possession and it does it does make in terms of the angles that people have to play forward passes, having someone with their dominant foot on the outside does make it a lot easier, especially for playing balls out wide, does make it so much easier to create angles to nice forward passes. And that's hopefully what we'll get with Martinez on the left and Maguire on the right. And even in terms of their styles, I think Maguire and Martinez would be a really good pair in, in terms of the styles that they yeah. have. 
defensively too because you'd expect Maguire to sit a little bit deeper be a bit more of a sweeper which despite the fact that you'd often want more pace than a sweeper I think Maguire positionally is very good and can play that sweeper role very well and then Martinez will be the more aggressive one that steps out you know they, they look like a partnership on paper that can work very well obviously that still remains to be seen but hopefully the next couple of pre-season games they can have some minutes together and in trading. And I would expect that they will probably start the first game of the season as the, as the centre-back pairing. Yeah, that seems likely. Final point on Martinez is he wore number 21 at Ajax and 21 at United has been the has been hosted by several cult heroes in the past. And that's kind of what Ten Hag was hinting at, that Martinez could be a, a fan favourite. Uh, Forlan, Herrera and Rafael all wore 21 at United. Cavani did wear it, but in his bad season whereas he wore number seven in his good season but if he can follow in the fan reputation of Rafael Herrera and Diego Forlan then he'll have done very well let's talk about Christian Eriksen who came on a free transfer uh, obviously played for Brentford from January last season and did very well Brentford tried immensely hard to get get him again United eventually managed it after a long long time and plenty of negotiations but a much more known entity Christian Eriksen who has kind of a a more delicate uh, quality to him in attacking midfield than Bruno Fernandes a player who can who can break the lines has set piece quality can score goals and yeah is a fantastic second option in that number 10 role yeah I, I mean I'm not a bit of a broken record now but I love this sign it's nice to be a broken record on that instead of a, a negative thing yeah true that hasn't happened for a while on this podcast so yeah I mean Ericsson again is a low risk signing he comes in off with a lot of experience and again a slightly different profile he, he's not quite such a different profile I don't think as, as what Martinez is say to our other full back to our other centre back but I think Ericsson still compared to Bruno Fernandes and Donny van der Beek does offer us something a bit different obviously much more controlled in possession I think everything for Ericsson is a little bit more in front of him whereas Fernandes is much more player who likes to get in behind himself and also play more balls in behind but you know someone who just come in with a wealth of experience very controlled and to me he's effectively the way I look at this Ericsson signing is we've very very cleverly replaced Juan Mata but upgraded massively at the same time because that is the kind yeah. of role we wanted Mata to be able to play you know to come in either off the bench or in say Europa League and an early round cup game give Bruno a bit of a break someone who can come in we have lots of experience very controlled in possession not going to probably do anything outrageous but you know is very competent and won't be doing anything particularly detrimental to the team I think Ericsson can do all of that and much much more as well I mean when he came to Brentford last season he, he transformed that team on his own you know we obviously yeah. won't be seeing quite that impact from him he's not going to play every game for us but as an option to have off the bench and you know to start your game I think it's, it's a wonderful sign yeah I think look, two key points at the end there the fact that he he led Brentford, he's led Denmark in the past, he's led Tottenham in the past. He's been a key player at several different teams across Europe and in the Premier League. And that's another thing being added. If we talk about youthful and, and pace and a bubbly character being added in Malaysia, you've got the aggression from Martinez and a bit of leadership from Martinez. And then you've also got this leadership from Ericsson. And that's all three of these are, are good characters to bring into the dressing room as well as talented players but also the second point being yeah he's not going to start every game but imagine the fresh quality you can bring on especially now with five subs in the Premier League and Europa League per game 
the the fresh quality you can bring on to replace Bruno Fernandes with Christian Eriksen or vice versa if needed is yeah is is massive uh, and particularly in this year where the schedule for August is okay and once you're into September and October pre World Cup is just absolute madness so uh yeah really really good signing um the interesting thing I I thought I'd check because a lot of the analysis on this has been uh, and this is partly because Fernandez had a less good second full season at United than his first. But a lot of the kind of basic response to the Ericsson signing has been, he's a completely different attacking midfielder to Bruno and, and, and keeps the ball much better. And when, and, and clearly on the eye test, there is, he, he does have that different style of creation. He's in, in my head, he's less frantic. Um, yeah. And it, it's different. As you say, it's more the Juan leaning towards the Juan Mata style rather than the, the Bruno Fernandes style. But I looked at the stats. I compared Ericsson's one season at Spurs, 2017, 18, but relatively consistent. So it doesn't really matter which one you pick. And then I compared Ericsson at Brentford and Fernandes last season. And Pass completion rate between all three, very similar. Um, in fact, Ericsson's pass completion rate last season lower than Bruno Fernandes is, a little higher when he played for Spurs. They play a similar number of passes a game. The, the only real significant difference is the number of through balls being played behind the opposition defence. And Bruno tries and completes more of those. And that, in a very simplistic way, might sum up the difference. Ericsson is, is breaking the lines often into feet or to, to meet a runner going off the shoulder of the fence. Whereas Bruno, I think, as we can see just with our eyes as well, is often trying those big through balls over the over the top of the defence for Rashford or Sancho or whoever. Um, and in terms of scoring goals and, and shots per game, again, Pretty similar. There are some discrepancies, but pretty similar. So yeah, in terms of, but also we're getting a, some real quality set piece deliveries as well. But I thought it was just interesting that uh, in terms of the stats, there isn't that much differentiation between Fernandes and Eriksson in terms of how they create chances and, and how they give away the ball. Yeah, there was another actually really good article on, on Sky Sports recently about, I think by Adam Bates, about Bruno Fernandes' season and whether you know, some of that criticism was justified. And actually, the stats really don't back up very much. So, Fernandez has always been someone that gives the ball away quite a lot. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time, and, and you know, we, we do this too, you know, we've often said about how much Fernandez has lost the ball. And he does lose the ball more than most in terms of the raw numbers. But he's also just trying more than almost any other player. You know, the volume of three balls and everything that he tries is just so high that the raw numbers say of how many times he loses possession every game are also high. But it's actually the rate at which he loses the ball isn't actually that bad. I think his pass completion is about 78%, something like that, which you know is about average for a number 10. Yeah. Well, so uh, to give you the stats from last season, uh, Ericsson was on about 74 and a half and Fernandez was... I can't remember exactly, but around 76. So, right. yeah, pre- pretty average. Yeah, and you know, just the nature of playing as a number 10 in any team that you're going to give the ball away quite a lot because you you play high up the pitch. Yeah. You're often tasked to play in the most difficult passes in very tight spaces. You know, it's natural that you're going to give the ball away a lot. And like I said, in Fernandez's case, it's more the volume of what it does that makes it seem like he gives the ball away so much. But off, off track a little bit, but on Ericsson, yeah, I mean, he's not... I don't think it's that he offers us something so completely different from Fernandez that it would, you know, transform the way that we play. But 
it's different enough that it's it's a, a point of difference that you can bring off the bench. You mentioned the set pieces. I think that is going to be a key part of it as well, especially off the bench. If you know, if we're chasing chasing a late goal, having yeah. some confidence with what he can produce, putting corner deliveries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we talked a lot about how few goals we score from set pieces, and that can only surely only get better under Ten Hag and with Ericsson providing yeah. those deliveries. Again, it's just, it's just yeah. a low risk signing that has you know a clear role in the squad. Someone that I think will be very hungry to come and, and prove himself. You know, because I, th- I think being at Brentford obviously got him back on a lot of people in England's radar. He did play well, but, you know, still not the spotlight that he would get at a place like Man United. Yeah, but I mean, we've said this in the past and we said it last season, season before. A fresh Bruno Fernandes is a much better Bruno Fernandes. And this signing is, yeah. is crucial to that as well. So, uh, really good. And especially also because it looks it looks like we if we do sign a midfielder, it will only be one. And as a result of that, it looks like Ten Hag wants to try and play Donny van der Beek a little bit deeper as well. And if that is the case, Ericsson is then even more needed because it doesn't seem like van der Beek will be the rotation option for Fernandez as much as he'll be a rotation option for the likes of Fred in a yeah. deeper role. Yeah, we'll talk about van der Beek in uh, our next episode where we'll talk more about pre-season so far and the last couple of games. And on that note, uh, time for our update on on what's happening with the podcast this year. So uh, this episode has come out on Tuesday morning. We're recording on Monday evening. And important is that our next show will be on Friday morning because the Manchester United weekly podcast is becoming the only weekly podcast to have two episodes a week um, <laughs> will be not all throughout the season uh, but every time there's a midweek game uh, and some other times we'll also be releasing on a Friday morning so our shows will be out Tuesday morning and Friday morning I'll host on Tuesday mornings Jack will host on Friday mornings uh, and yeah Jack you can explain a little bit more about how that Friday show will look yeah I think you know the Friday show just kind of come out of, of circumstances the Qatar World Cup is affecting the Premier League schedule and it's affecting our schedule too you know United play a midweek game every week between I believe it's September the 1st and the start of the World Cup and you know normally we don't cover the midweek games quite so much because they're often Europa League games or Cup games and maybe don't quite warrant as much time being spent on them but with quite a few Premier League games and just so much going on throughout the season you know we thought it'd be good to give you even more content like Harris to come a weekly podcast two shows every week so the, the Friday shows will focus on reviewing whatever the midweek game has been. Harry, Harry will be at quite a few of those midweek games, definitely the ones in the Europa League. So we'll hear bits from Harry and possibly his brother from Old Trafford and from any other stadiums that he travels to across Europe. We'll have regular guests on that will probably rotate every week uh, to you know join me and previewing the next game, reviewing whatever we've just had, you know, talking probably about some more slightly more big picture stuff at United that maybe we don't have time for on the Tuesday episodes as well. But the key thing is, from the start of September, expect two episodes a week. Tuesday morning, our sort of flagship show, the one that we've been doing like this for the last five or six years. And then on Friday morning, a slightly different show, still reviewing and previewing games, but with different guests every week, probably a little bit more big picture, and that'll be coming out on Friday morning. And uh, the last thing on a Friday show will be, not every week, but around every two to three weeks, depending on uh, their fixture schedule, but round up on Manchester United women with some insight from the journalists who cover them week in, week out. So that's something to look forward to as well. On the Tuesday show, as with this week, uh, you'll get your regular youth and loan roundup. So we'll head into that now. 
So, uh, a few changes to United's youth teams. Neil Wood, uh, who was the lead coach of the under-23s, has left to become first-team manager at League Two Salford City. His replacement is Mark Dempsey, the new under-21s lead coach. And I'll get on to under-21s in a second. But Dempsey is an academy graduate himself, played twice for United in the 80s. Originally returned to Carrington as part of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first-team staff has been with the academy for the last two years. He will be assisted by 2003 FA Youth Cup winning defender Paul McShane, who was acting as player coach in uh, the under-18s and under-21s last season before retiring this summer. And going back to that point about the under-21s, well, the under-23s has gone back to being an under-21s setup. That's been a, a Premier League 2 decision. Um, and that age group now mirrors uh, the age group of the Papa John's Trophy, where United have been drawn against Barrow, Carlisle United and Fleetwood Town in the group stages. United are one of 16 academy teams playing in the Papa John's Trophy alongside 48 League One and League Two sides. As for their pre-season, Mark Dempsey is taking the under-21s for friendlies at Kidderminster Harriers. That's on Tuesday night and then Altrincham on Saturday. While many of the squad were involved in a training camp at the Adidas HQ in Germany and then the Sparkassen tournament in Germany where they played a collection of sides including Frankfurt and, and Borussia Dortmund. There was also a friendly at a couple of age levels against Bayern Munich. Um, and on that trip, they drove separately to Manchesterplatz in Munich and paid their respects uh, to those who lost their lives in the Munich air disaster. All players and staff on that trip visited Manchesterplatz. Uh, a few new contracts, Will Fish, Zidane Iqbal and Charlie Savage, all signing new long-term contracts. We'll of course talk about those three. They were three of eight academy players on the first team tour to Singapore and Australia with Eric Ten Hag. We'll talk about them in Friday's episode. At under-18 level, Travis Binion remains the manager there. Uh, he'll be assisted by Colin Little and Kevin Wolfe. Justin Cochrane, who was very highly rated young developing coach, he was head of player development and coaching. He's left to take up a first-team role at Brentford. And the long-serving academy goalkeeping coach, Alan Fettis, has left after 11 years to become the first-team goalkeeping coach at Middlesbrough. United announced the new intake, the scholars intake for the new year. Uh, you can find information on, the, I'm not going to read out all 14 names, uh, but some to look out for. Louis Jackson, who played in the FA Youth Cup final, he will be stepping up. Uh, there's some talented players in there like uh, Adam Berry, Finley McAllister, uh, Ruben Curley, Habib Ogunye. Uh, you'll probably be hearing those names throughout these updates during the season. So uh, yeah, we'll have our next youth and loan roundup in a couple of weeks after the season started. Right, Jack, let's wrap up the show talking about two messy situations in brief. And I'm going to say in brief because it's two situations where it's just enormously unclear what's really going on. Cristiano Ronaldo and Frankie de Jong. Yeah, um, Frankie de Jong is just an odd one, basically. I, I think I remember, I think it was about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago now. I think it was the day that Malassia was signed. No, no, it would have been more recent than that. Maybe the day Martinez was... The news broke that Martinez was all but done. There was also, it seems to be a breakthrough in the De Jong negotiation where we'd agreed a fee with Barca and he was sort of down to come to United. And, it, it, you know, everything looked good. And then a few days later, all the news broke about this deferred payment that he's owed by Barcelona. And basically, I, th I think what I'm taking out of it is Barcelona are a mess. And I don't really understand how they're still going out and buying Rafinha and potentially hijacking Chelsea's deal for Jules Kunde as well. Um, at the moment, it, it's all just a bit of a mess. I, I sort of get the sense that 
De Jong isn't itching to leave Barcelona, but would be happy to move to United. I don't think it's that he doesn't want to come, but I also yeah. don't think he is sort of pushing for the move. I don't think he's desperate to go. And then... But he's clear, yeah, he's clearly not desperate to go. On the other hand, when he's being asked to basically sacrifice 17 million euros yeah. of a, a wage he was told he would be paid and signed a contract for, uh, you can see why he's not just going to up sticks and, and, and leave that behind. And, and, and it, it is and just the most agrarious uh, kind of, not not betrayal, but just the cheekiest yeah. act of, well, of I mean, uh, yeah, you know, from you, Barcelona. You've got to look at Leon's agent in this too, because how on earth can you agree to defer your salary like that but then not include a provision of what would happen in the event that De Jong was to leave before the end of his contract? This isn't this isn't like an unprecedented situation, you know, that someone leaves the club before their contract is up. It was very possible that this was yeah. going to happen. Like surely they should have come to some yeah. sort of agreement of what was going to happen in the event that De Jong did get transferred somewhere. But the other thing I think yeah. is on my mind is that I, I know it's easy to kind of sit there and be like, why don't United just pay up, get it done? But... You know what, to some degree, like, while I, I understand that urge and I've thought that at different times too, why should we pay this money that he's owed by Barcelona? You know, I think United in, no, in, wait, in the I mean, would, would have just caved and been like, you know what, we're just desperate to get this guy in. I'll give you the 17 million as like an additional transfer fee. And it's just like, yeah. it's not our mess to clean, to clean up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We've agreed a fee for him and there, there has to be some kind of deadline set. Yeah. Because United need to sign a midfielder. So whether it's De Jong or someone else, it needs to be wrapped up before the season start. And the same is true of Cristiano Ronaldo, who has, um, well, embarrassed himself really uh, by not going on United's preseason tour and then kind of putting himself in the, in the shop window and having very few takers and actually very few people even looking inside the shop window and going, oh, maybe. So yeah, both of those, I mean, it, it's, it's so difficult to know what's going on in those negotiations and in those, uh, in those talks that I think all I want to say about is they both need to be wrapped up very soon from United's perspective. Well, the, the, only, the only other thing I would add is just that I've been very impressed with how Ten Hag has handled the Ronaldo yeah. situation in particular, because I think it would have been really easy for that to become just such a dominant headline and completely overshadow everything else that's happened during pre-season. But I think he's dealt with it well in that he's not letting it sidetrack anything, but he's also not pushing Ronaldo away. You know, everything he said has been very complimentary that he'd welcome him yeah. back, all this kind of stuff. But he's also not let that dominate what's happened in pre-season. Yeah, we might talk good. about this more on Friday, but in terms of dealing with that pressure of the United job, which was one of the real unknowns with Ten Hag, he has done that very well so far, dealing with a massive uh, amount of attention in, in Thailand and Australia and yeah, being able to deal with the media and giving enough away that the media are on his side, but also shutting down questions about things he doesn't want to ask. Um, yeah, he's done well. We'll wrap things up there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. You can find Jack on Twitter at at UTD and I'm on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and as I say the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod P-O-D and that's where you can find information about how to sign up to be a patron and support the show and get uh, bonus Q&As at the end of every Tuesday morning episode which is where we're going to head to now so thank you very much for listening it's very nice to be talking to you again ahead of the new season thanks for tuning in have a great week goodbye
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.